What's up? It's your boys, Jordan and Abraham. He's a professional runner, so he's your fast friend. I'm an MD, PhD student, so I'm your smart friend. But most importantly, we are your friends who read One Piece. And this week, we read chapter 1108. What was the chapter title again? It was like Attention World, I think, right? Attention World. That was the Attention chapter. World. Attention World. And we are paying attention because some real shit is about to go down. Jordan, why don't you give me a rundown of some of the stuff that happened this chapter? Yeah, man. Well, you know, just this issue, we start with the gear fifth jump cover Luffy and a steamy, read that upskirts, women of one piece color spread. Caribou offering information to the ancient weapons to the Blackbeard pirates. The vice admirals chasing after Bonnie, their light work for Dorian Bragi. The giants mention a scholar who knows Vegapunk. Uh, with, there's a slight mention, too. I don't know if you missed it, that Vice Admiral Dahl might have been on O'Hara. Kizaru then shoots Vegapunk through the chest. Saturn goes full demon. Luffy spanks the both of them. And the chapter ends with Vegapunk, uh, as he calls himself the world's greatest and most humble scientist, preparing to broadcast to everyone the truth about our world. And let me tell you, Abraham, man, I love this chat. I love this chapter so much because so many of the things that I was saying was true over the course of our predictions and, and debates are coming true. Abraham, I told it. you, I told you that Vegapunk would be alive and, and he needed something. He, he was he could not be dead because he needed a moment to have some important last words before his death. This seems to be happening. Well. I told you that the egghead incident could yeah. not only be a celestial dragon being defeated. That is not enough to make this an incident that shook the whole world. I told you. And we are poised for a transmission to the world that's going to shake it all. And finally, I told you about the strength of Dory and Bragi. I told you these giants are not going to come up and be vice admirals, like you said. We got killing sea kings, man. And man. I would love for you to tell me what happened when you saw Dory and Bragi show up against the vice admiral. I, I just, I, I love Dory and Bragi, but they jumped him. <laughs> my guy, my guy didn't even know that he was. <laughs> you know, he's going after. First, I gotta say, my whole Frankie prediction. I think that's out of the way now. When when the when that vice admiral whatever his name was was going after them at first, Chin guy, like, oh. was the guy, the Chin guy, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, maybe this will be Frankie's moment that I was that I was thinking he might get. He might he might get to shine a little bit. Didn't happen. I don't think no. it's happening anymore. Yeah, I just I feel like it wasn't a fair fight. Like he was going after his target, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> an axe came out of the sky. <laughs> All I'm saying, we have seen many characters in this show be ambushed. What happened yeah. when Whitebeard got ambushed? He got ambushed by a dude right behind him. Got a sword through his chest, and he yeah. still took a dude's face off. A Marine Admiral's face off. <laughs> yeah, but he got a sword through his chest. <laughs> That's the point, right? I'm just saying, it sure didn't seem like this Vice Admiral... Yeah, he got jumped. It sure didn't seem like he was about to get up from that real. And like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it oh, didn't seem man. like he was giving up anytime soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, as for your whole Egghead Island incident thing, I told you, there was, you probably don't remember this, but I was, I, I had been saying 
there's actually a Morch theory about it where he 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 goes on to 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 talk about how on Egghead Vegapunk is gonna he he talked about punk records how Vegapunk would use punk records to reveal a lot of stuff about the world uh broadly and I didn't bring it up because I didn't really believe in it so you know I'll give you this one but when I want to talk about something that I believed in with all of my chest is this Luffy versus Kizaru power scaling that we kind of get at the end of the show. So when Luffy and Kizaru first fought, I had to get into this big discussion, big debate with a couple buddies of ours, Samir, you know, most notably, where he was basically telling me that from, from that chapter, all we, we, we know that Luffy and Kizaru scale to each other. And I thought it was ridiculous because the whole my whole point was Luffy has never was never using advanced conquerors through that whole fight. Yeah, he was using Gear Fifth, but he very clearly wasn't using all of his abilities that he could be in order to end the fight. And we get to this chapter now, and Luffy looks prepared to solo both Kizaru and Sab. So we we don't know how the chapter like the the, the arc is going to actually end. Maybe Luffy's not able to to two v or one v two Kizaru and Saturn. But if that's actually how the arc concludes, then it's obvious that Kizaru never really scaled to present day Luffy. And I'm going to take that as a dub. I also think it's kind of related to what we were talking about about the ambiguity of hockey use because I had some people telling me that Luffy was using advanced conquerors while fighting Kizaru. And we just weren't aware of it. And yeah, I don't know. I, what do you think about this power scaling that we got at the end of the chapter? Like, I, I def, I'm not convinced that still, oh, he wasn't using advanced conquerors hockey. So that means that he wasn't going all out, right? Because we still are seeing him now mess with Kizaru and Saturn, and he's not using advanced conquerors hockey. Like, that's not the thing that determines whether he's going all out or not. But like, they're really see. Whatever you think about how hard Kizaru might be trying, Saturn might be trying, whether or not he's actually going to be able to keep us up towards the end of the arc, like, this is a notable feat for his strength that's just, like, next level, right? Like, you can't you can't be fight. I mean, I guess we're just assuming that Saturn's incredibly strong. We don't actually know how strong he is fighting-wise, but we know people's heads blow up when they see him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be that he's not actually that strong, but uh, this definitely seems like the kind of thing that fighting-wise, places Luffy in a category above the Admirals, sort of, in a much more clear-cut way than we've had before. And as he should be, right? My whole thing, another part of my thing was that Luffy left Wano as an emperor, right? He got the title falsely after Whole Cake, but after Wano, he definitively was one of the four emperors of the sea. And there's no way you could tell me that Hainu, Aokiji, none of them scale to characters like Whitebeard and Kaido. Because if they did, the the balance of the world wouldn't be what it was, right? The the emperors the the, the emperors would would wouldn't be able to like coexist. And so that I mean that was just another reason why, right? And I think people just have a hard time adjusting to the fact that Luffy is this strong now. And I, I genuinely hope that Luffy gets to 1v2 these guys because it'll go a long way into solidifying Luffy's strength and how he scales with a lot of the top tiers that we have you know, yet to see in the story. 
if Saturn is as strong as we think he is. Like, sure. technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. these lesser dragons yeah. might not actually be the strongest dudes in the world. They could just sure. be scary and have some kind of power to make people's heads explode. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk about for power scaling. I think there's a, not a lot of other really big discussion points that we, we really big things that happened in this chapter that we got to talk about. The first thing, I'm just going to go chronologically from the start of the chapter to the end. Big one is Karibu is going to, is planning to tell Blackbeard about the location of Pluton and the location of Poseidon. I think this is absolutely fucking massive. It's something that we already knew he, we already predicted he was going to tell the Blackbeard. Right? Because this is the, like, the information that he's just had for the longest time. What do you think the ramifications are going to be of Blackbeard knowing about these ancient weapons? Like, knowing about their location? Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you don't even really think about how no one else in the world really knows where, like, both of these things are besides the Straw Hats and, like, you know, I don't know, maybe some random other freaking person. <laughs> uh, I guess Law has an idea, but he doesn't know about, um, he doesn't know about Poseidon. Nope. It's hard to really say exactly what this... I mean, obviously, we're we're getting set up for the kind of fight between Luffy and Blackbeard. But I think really, in terms of the narrative of the story, it's clear that we're being set up for the end game between these two people who are going to end up in some sort of battle over these two ancient weapons. And we know that both of them are allied with the Straw Hats. But it's a good question of how in the world is Blackbeard going to actually take advantage of Poseidon and actually take advantage of Pluton these when the people who carry them are loyal to Luffy and the crew. Well, <clears throat> one 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 theory that I had I heard someone put out was that Blackbeard actually has the perfect fruit to take advantage of Pluton because we know Ooh. that it's under it's under uh Wano or whatever, right? At the at the base right. of Wano. So the quick quick fruit would seem like it's the perfect kind of tool to reshape mm. the island and move things, you know, to gain access to Pluton. So I think it would actually be pretty cool. I don't know how he'd be able to take advantage of Shirohoshi unless he captured someone close to her, like her brothers or something. I don't know, something along those lines. And right. Which would that be pretty weak storytelling, in my opinion, if we're just like, if yeah. he just takes someone hostage and now he has control yeah. of Poseidon, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think the whole idea of him, him getting Pluton and him having the perfect devil fruit to take advantage of Pluton, I think that's re a really solid theory. And I think it, 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 I like it. I like the idea of the Blackbeard pirates having Pluton and not the Straw Hats, because to me, it makes Frankie more relevant for the end game of the story, right? Because he's probably going to have to, he's either going to have to upgrade the Sunny or he's to, to essentially rival the, the Pluton, right? I think that was the whole point of the the blueprints back on Water Seven. If the ancient weapon is ever in the wrong hands, that there would be a shipwright that'd be able to construct something that could rival it. So, I think it would be cool for the Blackbeard pirates to have that kind of power, and I also think it would make Frankie a little bit more relevant in the endgame. That is one of the things that Oda has really done an incredible job of doing: is not just giving our characters reasons to you know, people to fight, things like that. But yeah, it's not not even just making them relevant with little moments through all the series, but also making it clear that they're going to have real roles in the end game of the series. I think I'm really interested in thinking about 
you know, narratively, how, you know, is it that Blackbeard is going to manage to acquire it? Because obviously we're not going to be going back to Wano. I, I, I swear to God, if we go back to Wano, I've said, man, we already <laughs> did four years there, bro. I can't, Oda, I can't, I can't have you taking me actually back yeah. there. But where do, would that set us up for a final battle? And how would that, Right, like, because we're not going to go back and try and prevent Blackbeard from doing these things. Like, he already showed up in Whole mm -hmm. Cake, whatever. But, like, where is that going to set us up for a final battle against him? I feel like it has to be on Laftail, to be honest. And I don't, we don't know where Laftail is. We're going to obviously get a lot of that revealed to us later in the story. But to me, it would only be appropriate for those two to fight for the title of Pirate King on the final island, right? So, how does Blackbeard having Pluton? And potentially finding out that Shirahoshi is Poseidon. How yeah. would that play into that? So there's a theory I know that you don't believe in, that I believe in, about the destruction of the red line leading to the creation of the all blue and being important for them. So I have maybe... somewhat warmed up to that theory because of certain things. Uh, but okay. you know, continue, please. Continue. Yeah. So maybe the destruction of the red line is... Well, actually, no, I was going to say maybe destroying the red line is necessary to get to Laugh Tale, but that's not true because we know Roger got to Laugh Tale and right. the red line existed when Roger got to Laugh Tale. So I'm not 100% sure. It's because he went sure. through Annie's lobby to get there. I called his mom and she said, huh? oh, yeah, Roger went Roger's down mama? through. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> She a baddie, man. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so you, you you gotta be a baddie to have a son with me, the pirate king. You know what I'm saying? She you made know, you I like a nice older, dinner, huh? You know, I like them older women now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I didn't meet her son, though, fortunately. I didn't meet her son. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I can't continue. even imagine. Can you imagine stepping out with a, an older woman and then you find out her son is the pirate king? Oh no, yeah. God. You know be... what? It's not worth it. Have a good night. I'm just right? <laughs> it's like the time that happened to me, it was just a he was just a normal 23-year-old and my butthole still tightened right up. If he's the pirate king, I would have run. Oh <laughs> uh, but I would have had to run. I just I don't, I don't know how uh, the ancient weapon necessarily play into the Straw Hats fighting the Blackbeard Pirates. Maybe, and this is just off the top of my head right now, maybe they end up fighting on, um, is it Logtown? The town of beginning of end, and end, like where they yeah, yeah, smoke and whatnot. Yeah, Logtown, whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, in the, in, back in Paradise, or not in Paradise, back in like the, the East Blue. Yeah. Um, Maybe they sail to the, you know, to, uh, across the new world, and to get back to the East Blue, they bust through the, uh, the red, the red line using Pluton or something like that, and have their like final battle on on Logtown. Some I don't know. That's literally just something I thought of yeah. off the top of my head. I don't really, I don't, I, I don't have any kind of plan as to why the uh, the Pluton would be relevant for them to specifically fight each other. But I do believe in that theory in general about the creation of the all blue and the destruction of the red line. So I do think Pluton will be relevant in that way. And um, yeah, it is definitely setting us up for end game of the series, though, just because yeah. if Blackbeard, who we know is so this sort of opportunistic man, actually knows about these two things and 
he clearly has the ability with, you know, whether it's the warp warp fruit or, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the warp warp fruit has the ability to help people move around uh, yeah. very quickly. I think there's no question that he's going to be heading to get those things relatively soon and making his move towards the one piece really soon. I think it's just a good question of, yeah, like really to me, it seems like, like the sort of thing that's setting him up in his eventual battle against the world government, the, you know, in the, the Kings of the world, that kind of thing. Because when he says he wants the world, he's not just talking about, yeah, I want to fight straw hat. Like he not, he understands Straw Hat's arrival, like who's finally yeah. ascended, but he's not really like, yeah, my whole thing is I want to fight Straw Hat Luffy. Yeah. He's really out here saying, I want to take on down these nobles and kings who are sitting up on this yeah. mountaintop looking down at me when I was a little poor kid. And that's how I want the world. And so I think to me, that really sets him up for a confrontation with them. Emo. Yeah. Yeah. And and so maybe that's where Shanks comes in at some point in terms of trying to claim the One Piece. But I definitely think, it, you know, if Blackbeard has a confrontation with Emu, I don't know. How can Emu be the final so, villain? I don't know. That's going to be hard. You know? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm gonna say one thing, and then we can move on to the next thing in the chapter. You hate the idea of Blackbeard just being Rox's son uh, because of how simple story, the storytelling is. It's a little simple, right? Yeah, it's a little simple. What you're just saying, though, sounds like a rehash of Rox's life to a T. In that, man, we you don't know, know about Rox's life. We don't know about no, that no, yet. No. But I'm saying, look, think about the God Valley, and you know everything we know about Rox. It's not that he wanted to be the, well, like you said, he wanted to, not that he wanted to be the pirate. He wanted to be the king of the world. He shows up to God Valley to attack the celestial dragons and their slaves, and you know Roger comes in and and stops him. And, and like a lot of what you're saying seems to be. Pretty much part two of Rox's man, man, journey. But I am not suggesting that it is a problem if he is sort of take like the dude's boat's name, the dude's ship's name is the Saber of Zebek, right? Like the idea uh-huh. that he has sort of inherited some will that's passed down from Rox is like completely understandable, right? Also, like the fact that Whitebeard said to him, "You're not the man that that Roger was waiting for." That's a little bit like. Dang, like, why does he even want to be the way Roger was waiting for if he's really following, if he's named his ship after Roxy Zedek? But, like, whatever, yeah. right? Like, it's clear that Luffy's kind of the one who's following in the footsteps of Roger. Rox, or Blackbeard's the one who's following in the footsteps of Roxy. I'm okay with that. I just don't want it to be as straightforward as Rox had a secret son who is now following in his footsteps. Okay. Like, so- if it's just a dude who's, like, you know, I learned about this. I admire yeah. this dude. Like I passed this will passed on. But like yeah. Luffy is not yeah. Roger's son. Ace was Roger's son. He was the one yeah. who was theoretically supposed to be that dude, and he got killed yeah. at Marineford. That's fair. That's I fair. don't know if there's someone who was supposed to be Rox. You know, Rox's inheritor. If if Rox actually does have a son, that could be interesting and crazy. Uh, could yeah. be Dragon. You know, no, I know it's probably not Dragon. I gotta give up on that theory. Uh, but <laughs> you really do. You really do. <laughs> Okay. To me, to me, wanna, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I, I yeah, that, that those those are all fair points. But I want to now talk about the scholar that the giants mention in this chapter. They mention a scholar that they don't they don't drop his name. They're just like Vegapunk. He's the one that that scholar mentioned. Is the scholar just Clover, or do you have any idea, any other ideas as to who it could be? 
Well, the the two people that I thought of when I read it, I was like, is it Clover? And I was like, man, it really could not be Clover, right? Because like I would, you know, why not? I, how would you feel if? Because I would not like I would, it if it was Clover. I would, I, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it for a lot like of the, the same Clover. reason why I I didn't like Hell coming back, but the same reason I didn't like Bone Clay coming back, like. Yeah, exactly. And I know people hate on the Saw death, but I think the Saw one, I'm okay with Saw coming back, right? Like to me, don't don't make that face at me. Don't make that face. That's like, that's like, don't be okay with that. I'm okay with Saw coming back because even when we first met Aokiji, we were given some precedent for understanding that he can freeze people and not kill them. That's that's what initially happened to all of the straw hats. You had to get them in the freaking shower, put them in the water. Luffy got frozen. Robin got frozen. Zoro's arm got Sanji's leg got frozen. Right. That's, that's the first thing we learned about Aokiji. And we know that the dude who froze Saw was a friend, was one of his friends, Aokiji, who also let Robin go and sort of seems to have some interest in opposing the, the opposing like the ruling class, sort of like the, and finding mm-hmm. out about the, whether the right thing to do is reveal the history of the world. So to me, Saul's death feels very natural and understandable. Man, Clover, did he get shot? Was it standing to shot him? Like, he yep. got shot. He got shot right shot, in front of us. Shot him in, like, in the chest. Right he in the chest. shot in the chest. And then the whole freaking, yeah. the whole, now, nah, you know, Vegapunk out here, everyone hitting him in the chest, and he's just out here living. Uh, yeah. but, but, Clover, but Clover got shot in the chest in front of everyone, and then the whole island just got, like, burnt to yeah. shreds. And Clover exactly. wasn't even a dude who fought. To me, yeah. for him to come back from that would just be that would be a that would be a shame. That that actually would yeah. kill one of the the great deaths of O'Hara. And whenever people talk about Saul's death isn't sad now, I say, man, all her friends died. All her other friends, the whole archaeologist. So Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 I think it's clearly Clover, right? We already heard that after the incident of O'Hara that the Giants came and you know they salvaged a lot of the books and stuff. It makes sense that the Giants would, that they would find Clover. I don't know. It doesn't make sense that he's alive. But I understand the explanation of Oda just being like, oh, the Giants found this guy and they brought him to Elbaf and now that's where he lives on Elbaf. So I'm just trying to... A couple options. Let me see. Let me give us a couple reactions from a couple other characters. Nico Olvia. It's fine. I'm 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 fine. I'm good with Nico uh, Olvia. Nico Olvia. Are you good? Are you excited Olvia. about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think so. Yeah, because we we know that. I, I'm assuming she she knows things about the history of the world that even Robin doesn't know from you know her her journeys. It would be nice to have Robin reunited with her mom. We didn't see any anything specifically about. Olvia getting shot, or there was no death moment. There was a really sad parting of the ways moment, but there was no actual death that we we saw. And it would be cool to see Robin having some sort of like really beautiful reunion moment as well. I think that would be really fun. Now, what about this one's going to come out of left field? What what about Toki? What if we? It turns out Toki's been coming around as an archaeologist, sent herself a little bit in the future, and got out of uh, Wano that way. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't remember what happened to Toki when Odin was executed. I know she sent Momo 
and some of the scabbards into the future. She theoretically Did died she... then, but we have not okay. seen anything like we don't know for sure if she died. And it's like, dang, like you couldn't send yourself into the future somewhere. So you've been time traveling for like 800 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's there's a possibility that she's alive. Honestly, with One Piece, it's like if you don't see the death, like the body, it's not even just the death. If you don't actually right, see right, like right. the grave, you know, you never know if a character is actually dead or not. But Toki was never presented as like a scholar or an archaeologist or something like that. At least not that I'm aware of, right? So Olvia, I would be on board with. Olvia would be hype. I just want to talk about this whole these whole fake out deaths for a little bit before before we talk more about Clover and right. my problem with them. And I agree with you about what you said with Saul and Aokiji, right? We have seen Aokiji freeze people and then they're thawed and they're 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 fine. My issue with that wasn't so much the feasibility, but Oda taking advantage of it to create like he very clearly wrote it as a character death. Right? It was that that we were supposed to get the emotional impact of a character death from it. And when you write when you write a character death like that and then don't deliver on the character death, it cheapens all the other deaths that you write in the future. So I remember for Pedro, for example, when Pedro blew his, him, himself up, if we hadn't gotten stuff like Pell um, in the story earlier, I think it would have been a bigger moment for me. But for me, I was just like, oh, is Pedro dead? Is he alive? I don't know. Because... Fucking Pell, Pell no. withstood a big bro, bro. You're telling <laughs> no, me Pell no, didn't Pell didn't withstand no. a bigger bomb? No, like, no, I'm, bro. No, come on, man. No, because uh, with Pedro's death, the reason the Pedro's death didn't hit is because he just had like a quick right. Pell's death, you got this frame of him looking at Vivi saying, serving yeah. the Nefeltari family has been the greatest honor of my life. Going out, yeah. we had this whole, you know, stop fighting, whatever. And he goes out and it's a whole giant bomb off in the sky, like double right. panel, right? Sure, sure. Pedro, and, and that's the end of the arc. That's that's after we've already had stop fighting. We've already had Crocodile fought in the sky. And now it's like we can get on with life and start partying. Yeah. Pedro, it was like, homie blew himself up. There was not this giant, you know, beautiful panel, whatever. It was just kind of like, I got to let these straw hats get out of here just to bring in the future, bring in the dawn, whatever he said. And we still, like, we're still running away from Big Mom. We had to GTFO and keep going. It's like the world kept moving in a way that didn't allow for as impactful of a scene. That's why that didn't hurt. But with with Saul's death, Robin has been, it'd be one thing if Robin knew he was alive this whole time. And we're trying to, like, in terms of understanding this character's emotions, Robin's been going her whole life. That's the last moment that she saw him thinking he's dead. That's why that hit. You, you, you're talking about a different... We're not talking about the same thing, though. I'm not saying that that wasn't a deeply emotional moment in this series. I love Ohara, and that was one of the... Like, that was one of the greatest parts of the flashback for me. I genuinely love it on re- reread and rewatch. I love that scene. It's a very emotional scene. But what I'm talking about is that having those kinds of scenes in place, having your ball plays, your pels your your souls it takes away from 
my enjoyment of future scenes. And I'm not trying to say that Pedro would have been as hit me as emotionally as someone like Pell. Because for all the reasons you said, we didn't get this, like there, there, there wasn't as much time to, dedicated to it in the chapter. But I literally, like this man blew himself up and I was like, he could still be alive. So no, I saw another guy blow himself up and was perfectly fine, right? So it take my point is is I'm not saying it would have been as great of a moment as the Pell moment was in Alabasta, but it probably would have been a better moment than it ended up being in Whole Cake, if that makes sense. That's just all I just want to get that out. And that's why that's the issue that I had with, with Saul uh being uh, uh being alive. I understand like feasibly we like you said, we've seen Aokiji freeze people, we've seen them thawed and they're okay. So I'm not I'm not mad about the physics of it. I'm more mad about how Oda is trying to present this as a character death that doesn't actually die. Clover, I would have a uh, a big a big issue with. I'll get over it. It's not like I'm not going to be excited to see Clover because I love Clover. Right. But it's just like why 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 do you have Clover to... would be annoying for sure. But like Clo- Clover, yeah. it's like you, this dude was shot. Like he's the whole like that's the crux of the whole issue. Like right. also, if he was just hanging out on Albath the whole, like, what were you doing? You know, I was like, what were you doing? Like, like, why were you just? Why did you just went to Albath to like hang out or whatever? Do you know? Yeah, so 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 Clover Clover would be weak, but man, I, I'll just hating on the Saw death, man. I can't, I can't, I can't stand it, man. The Saw the Saw being alive is perfectly fine. We just can't do every single person. We can't we can't retcon every single person from. O'Hara to suddenly be alive again. But I do wonder if, you know, the idea that it could be Olvia or just that like someone, some random person made it off of yeah. O'Hara or just like that there's, I don't know, could there even be someone with the revolutionaries who we haven't met, et cetera? Like those kinds of things could no. be interesting too. I, I think I think Olvia is a really, really good alternative solution. But right. I want to talk about the last panel in the chapter before we wrap things up. We have Vegapunk making an announcement to the world saying that he's going to share the truth. As Oof. to what this truth is, I have no idea. I don't want to say I have no idea. I have some ideas. But what do you think the truth of the world that he's about to reveal could be? You know, I'm not going to spoil one of the theories I brought today. I don't know if I don't know yeah. if that, I don't know if I actually think it's going to be the one that I'm going to bring as a theory, but I think to me, it it's just going to be something big. And like my guess is it's going to have something to do with like the nature of like energy and where like devil fruits come from and like what people are in a way that helps us understand things like the giant robot, helps us understand yeah. why there was technology in this void century. But I definitely yeah. think it's going to be something, you know, Oda's yeah. always full of surprises and it yeah. wouldn't really surprise me if this to be something so, that we just have absolutely yeah. no idea what's coming. I, I feel like we read this and interpreted it two completely different ways because when I read it, it was, oh, Vegapunk is going to reveal that, like, stuff about Emu, about the Gorosei being evil, about how the world government is manipulated. Like, basically, not a reveal for the readers because these are all things that we know about, but a reveal to all of the random citizens in the One Piece world that this is what the world government really represents. And 
I remember like we we talked about this real quick before we started, right? And I don't I don't know. That's 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 what would make more sense to me. Why no, do you think cut. it has why do you why why do you think why do you think it's gotta be something new? Okay, first of all, I'm just gonna point out that I've been right about the Edahead Egghead Island incident being more than just Adam getting defeated. So I just wanna be clear that you know this is kind of within that same vein <laughs> of my rightness. Okay. I wanna really I wanna really establish uh, that. Okay. Um, but First of all, just in terms of what he has set, the way it's been set up, right? Like, it's like when we find out that Ace is Roger's son, we have no idea about that. That's mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. It's a major incident, major arc, and that's given to us in a way that is supposed to have impact, not just for the world finding out that Ace is Roger's son and that the son of the Pirate King will be executed, but also in terms of finding, in terms of the readers being like, holy crap, this is who Luffy's brother is in this moment. Yeah. This reveal is being set up now. If we get this whole, you know, black panel with Vegapunk's words saying, I'm going to reveal the truth of this world. Black punk, I said black punk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Vegapunk. <laughs> black I combine Blackbeard, Vegapunk, and like K-pop all in the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, Vegapunk having yeah. this 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 panel that's set up for a major reveal. If he just yeah. says a bunch of stuff that we already know to the whole world, mm. that's not gonna be narratively impactful, is it? And I, I think so. So the reason why I believe it would be is by the end of the world, once the, no, not the end of the world, by the end of the story, once the world government is overthrown, you need, I think we both agree, you need the nations around the world to actually be aware of the evils of the world government. Otherwise, it's just going to be like, we had a pirate overthrow the world government. The world is going to be in chaos in all of this, right? That's why that's part of the reason why I think Vivi will play a very important role in the story going forward. Is she's a monarch? She is someone whose family is very well respected and is going to kind of help lead the world into like a new future, right? But if we if we if the rest of the nations on the world aren't actually aware of all of the evils that the world government has perpetuated, then there, there. I just don't see how there's a like there's an adequate conclusion to the story. Because right? you're there's... right that that has to happen. You're right that, that has to yeah. happen. This is, I mean, maybe that also happens, but yeah. for that to happen now, that'll be insufficient. Because, for example, because here's, here's point two that I'll make: Why not Sabo? Why not a revolutionary? Why not Vivi? Why not the Black? Why Vegapunk? Why would uh -huh. he be the one to give this reveal if that's all that it is right now? Well, would you trust that kind of information from someone like Blackbeard? I feel like as a random citizen, I... Oh, sure. Okay, like, why, why, why not right? Vivi, right? Why not Vivi, who's with Sabo sure. right now? I could I could see Vivi doing it. I think it's a role that... I actually believe... I think I, I don't know if I presented this theory. I believe that theory, Vivi is going to end up with Kuma's devil fruit and be, at right. some point, and be shooting herself from country to country to country, basically getting getting people on board with this whole idea of an evil world government, right? But again, but why is, Vegapunk? That's my question. Yeah, He's a scientist. Why right, are we choosing right, a right. scientist 
who's been doing all this research, and that's yeah. all he's going to say. Well, I think he's a, a trusted figure, right? Everyone everyone knows about the genius Vegapunk. If you think about Sabo, right, a lot of people in the world still think of the revolutionaries as terrorists, right? And granted, there's a lot of countries, you know, that they've liberated and whatnot, just like there are countries the Straw Hats have freed that believe in the Straw Hats. But overall, most people in the story probably still think of the revolutionaries as terrorists. So I don't think the message coming from someone like Sabo is definitely is necessarily necessary necessarily the person who needs to be delivering the message. But my same point, thing with Blackbeard. My point though is Vegapunk is a scientist. Right? Yeah. We have a lot this is a dude who has an ancient giant robot from the So can you explain to me why the giant robot works? Can you explain to me where the devil fruits come from? Can you explain to me what's up with the sea? Can you explain like you know what I'm saying? Can you explain to me about this yeah. inherited will, lineage factors? Yeah. Can you explain to me how cloning works? And like but, the significance but, that that might have for the world. Do you expect Vegapunk to be because you already said that you don't expect Vegapunk to die here, right? On an egghead. Well, I think he'll die after no, I said he wasn't dead then. I think he'll die after he says what it, like he needed uh, a moment to actually be mm-hmm. able to like his death like when he just got stabbed by Saturn, it was like, yeah. Man, you're not gonna die from that. But he's gonna die after potentially like making this giant reveal to the I mean, series. Do you do you think his satellite bodies are going to like thing is we i already believe i believe that his satellite bodies will be able to survive without him because we know that your plan to sell all of the vegapunks including the stella out to the world government right right? Right. so based on that i think this the satellite bodies can still exist without the stella and if they're still a part of the story is there a reason why they couldn't be the ones to like why does this reveal have to be right now right like they're not, we're not, we're not going sailing with like all the rest of the Vegapunks for the rest of the series, right? He's like, that's not gonna happen. And like, we're set up right now for Vegapunk in his death to be making a giant reveal to the world. He's not gonna make some second giant, or we're not gonna have a second moment with some giant reveal to the world. We know this is the egghead incident and the one that totally shakes the world. Yes, understanding the celestial dragons, whatever, things like that. But we have so many questions that Vegapunk, through his research, should know the answer to and should help us understand why the Nika fruit and Luffy's power is actually so important. Like, how come this ancient uh, robot starts getting up and like trying to move every time Luffy turns into gear fifth? Yeah, those are the sorts of things that that it makes sense for this character to answer right now. Sure. I think it's going to be something yeah. that most of us don't even really thoroughly understand whatsoever, and that's the kind of thing that can shake the world and also be a reveal that's incredibly significant. Yeah, to the readers that's... and the characters who actually are hearing it in the story. Yeah, I guess my well, I mean, last thing I want to say before we, we, we kind of move on is that that reveal feels like it's more relevant to the Straw Hats and to the readers than it is to the rest of the world, right? The rest of the world doesn't know about this giant robot. The rest of the world, for the most part, doesn't know about Nika. Like, sure, if you're like, this is why how Devil Fruits work. Like, it, it doesn't, that doesn't seem like an announcement that, he would need to make to the world. It feels like something that he would need to tell the Straw Hats, maybe. Wait, wait. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm getting the phone call. Hold on, hold on. Hello? Yeah. Oh, you said you said you want you 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 want some crack? 
No, <laughs> no, no. I don't have any credit. You know, I don't bro, have any credit. Bro, bro, it's you my, need to get Abraham the fuck out of here. is the one who's you gotta like Abraham is the one you gotta give this crack to, man. Why are it's the not me. Abraham is the one who's smoking crack. I never smoke crack. I'm very, I'm very clean. I treat my body very well. Abraham is the one who's over here smoking crack on this podcast. Hey, I got a question for you. If you're <laughs> smoking crack, how come all the crackheads have your phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you man, know, because I can't. So many crackheads calling me. Because I can't do the nine. I can't do nine one one every time. I gotta mix it up, man. Yeah. Uh, where'd you get? You got my phone number from Abraham? Nah, man. No, I, t- I told him I don't want any of this crack, man. I, he's on that too much. He's trying to spread the crack to all his friends, man. Oh, man. I told him my friend Samir doesn't want crack. Yeah, Our dude. friend Joaquin doesn't want But, man, he's just, he just, he's been on this crack. I don't want this crack. You can call me Get back another time. Thank you. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Give me your prediction. What do you think is your prediction? <laughs> award. What's your award for this chapter? Oh, man. my I have the, the, the Vitality Award, man. Okay. Because Vegapunk. How in the world did you get stabbed by Saturn and shot by in the chest and shot by Kizaru in the chest and you yeah. still have the vitality to be out here saying things? Yeah, like that's crazy. this. This is an old dude. He doesn't even fight. He's not even strong. And this dude just two characters just stabbed and shot him through the chest, and he's yeah. out here still talking. Man, vitality award, big punk. I. That's fair. That's fair. Mine is gonna go and be the the little bro. Little bro award. Little bro. Gonna go to, yeah, that's gonna go to uh, Kizaru, obviously. If you get held once, <laughs> but it's actually twice now. Like you know how Andy holds Woody in Toy Story. <laughs> when you said that, I was thinking yeah. about Toy Story. When you said about <laughs> yeah, exactly. The way Andy holds Woody in Toy Story is exactly how Luffy has Kizaru in his hand right now, and he's done this so to funny. him twice now. So yeah, Kizaru is definitely the little bro. He's just like, mm. yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's uh, what's the prediction you have for for eleven eleven oh nine? You know, I got the you know, this is the prediction that I'm very serious about and think is uh, definitely going to happen. You know, I think a lot of our friends know that I really hate a certain genre, so I'm just, I'm, I'm going to predict. You know, we're going to find out it's an isekai. You know, we're going to find out. Vegas going to tell us all it's an isekai at the end of this chapter. You know, we're going to find out. Uh, our characters were somehow transported to another world, and all of our friends will make fun of me for liking an isekai. Wait, do you actually? What? <laughs> no, man, no, I don't believe that, man. <laughs> I, I just had to say that because so for so long, so many of our friends will say, "What if One Piece is an isekai?" Uh huh. What if One Piece was ended up being an isekai? Well, I would, you know, we, we would have to we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But if there was a moment that we would find out that One Piece is an isekai, it actually would be at the end of this in this next chapter. Yeah. So you know that's uh that's about what I got. What about okay. you? Oh well, <laughs> I love that you did the whole crackhead thing because my prediction is going to be that the reveal we get next chapter about the truth of the world is Vegapunk talking about all of the manipulator evil stuff that the world government has done to this point in the story talking about wiping off islands like lucia and ohara and whatnot and yeah that's what i think the the truth about the world that's going to be revealed is in the next chapter yeah i don't i think that could happen it's not only going to be that that's all i'm going to say yeah it could happen it's not only going to be that and man i'm going to be in trouble if it turns out 
that that is right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna show up here with a kilo of cocaine to be like <laughs> <laughs> Give me your advance, Jordan. I'm shipping this to you. Oh man. Well, yeah, yeah. now it's time for some theories, isn't it? Yes, let's do it. S class, F class. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I think uh, I'll, you know, I'll go for it because this is one from Joy Boy theories that okay. is relevant to our last discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm this is not necessarily one that I believe, but I thought it was very interesting. This theory is that everything we've seen scientifically in today's world is based on that. Everything we've seen in today's world is something that was accomplished by the advanced society of the void century. And this serves as an explanation for a lot of the mind powers that we see. That's probably a little unclear, so let me explain. For example, the ancient powers that the people like Momo have over Zunisha and Shirahoshi has over the Sea Kings are similar to the way that we've seen Vegapunk have create the order of authority for the pacifistas. It's just that things like Zunisha and the Sea Kings are much larger robots from the void century, that kind of thing, or like artificial beings of some sort. Oh, okay. I like it. I think that's an S-class theory. I don't believe it, Ooh. but I, th I think that's really great <laughs> because I do. I mean, I don't, you're, you're not going to convince me that like, you know, Zunisha and um, the Sea Kings are like robots and stuff like that. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're artificial beings, but I, I like I, I see I see the analogy and it's 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 reasonable and it's creative. So I like the theory. Yeah, I think that some of the things that are other implications of this that are pretty cool are like we've seen people make clones. Yeah. And they made and we've seen people make like super enhanced humans. And we could see the descendants of people like that being some of the characters like Luffy and Zora who have inhuman strength or vitality. We've seen people today try and make giants to a little bit of avail, and the giants could have been actually successful gigantification experiments in the void ceremony, void century, and even things like Judge creating artificial humans. Uh, if those are things where there's some sort of you know authority chip on that, that could even be an explanation for Conqueror's hockey and the way that descendants of people who had that authority manifest it over the artificial beings of today. So again, it's not something I agree. It's not something that I'm like, I really believe this, but it's really creative, absolute S-class theory. And it's the kind of thing yeah. that if Vegapunk did today this in the, in the next chapter, anything like this, I'll be like, that's pretty hype. Like I've, I learned a lot about One Piece just now. <laughs> okay. My theory is going to come from uh, your favorite YouTuber, Morge. So uh, he put out a, a, it's actually related to also stuff we talked about today where he thinks he puts out a theory about Blackbeard's Grandmaster plan. And the idea is that Blackbeard is going Blackbeard has Garp in order to, and he's going to try and use him as a negotiating chip in order to become a a king, right? And them impersonating Saturn, Katarina Devon impersonating Saturn, if Saturn dies on Egghead, she'll return to uh, the marriage was and kind of impersonate Saturn and act like nothing's going on in order to kind of, you know, push for maybe the world government accepting Blackbeard as a king, accepting his offer. Um, and that way he'll be able to, like, he doesn't even have to sneak into marriage was at that point. He can just show up to, like, a reverie or show up to the island 
and try and kill like Emu and the world government leaders. What do you think of that? I'm on the border with this theory because I think it's totally a reasonable thing that could happen. The idea that we already know Blackbeard wants to be a king. We know he's trying to ascend the throne of the world. And so obviously it's really interesting to see this as being a way for him to actually do that with Katarina Devon just running in and pretending like she's Saturn. The things I don't like about it are it feels a little bit lacking in creativity to me. It's just, oh, we've seen this woman that she can now impersonate him. So she's going to be like sitting around. It feels like a little bit not super blackbeardy or like one PC, the idea of her just like, you know, I know the Blackbeard's like infiltrated things. Something about this feels like it would not feel right for his character to just be like, we're sitting in the world government. Or like, I'm just like, I just have a person sitting pretending to be a celestial dragon and no one's going to figure that out and that sort of thing. Uh, so I think, and also, you know, the world government accepting him, like someone who's as dangerous as him, like, yeah, I'm they've accepted some damn bad people before, but he's like, you know, he, he, he was a bad dude. This dude is bad. Uh, and so I think the idea of him being accepted by the world government is a little bit hard for me to believe. I, I'm going to give it, I'm on the fence, but I'm just going to just give it an F-class theory, largely because lacking in creativity. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I will say, I don't believe in the theory personally, because I don't expect Blackbeard to actually be the one to defeat Emu. And I also don't expect Blackbeard to lose to Emu, right? Like, if Blackbeard loses to Emu, then it feels like it would take away from his fight against Luffy. And I don't expect Blackbeard to 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 beat Emu. I frankly thought you might enjoy it, because I know you love the idea of Blackbeard uh, being the final villain, right? Taking out Emu, plunging the world into chaos, and then Luffy having to liberate it. That's fair. I, I I I understand what your your points were. You got another theory for me? Yeah, I got I got one more for you. You know, it's um, it's the idea that the the weapon of Pluton is not actually even a ship, but it's sort of a prophecy. Hmm. Uh, about being a, a, at the bottom of Wano. And that Kaido and Big Mom being there is a prophecy about these incredibly strong people being there and that they are that that's the ancient weapon Pluton is something that comes out of them coming out of of the bottom of Wano. S class or F class. Something that comes out of them? Like a baby? No, it's like they are. Like they are the ancient weapons coming out, like the whole explosion that comes and like whatever happens with them coming out of it. Oh. So that the the ship is irrelevant. It's just yeah, Kaido yeah, and no. Big Mom are right. No, that's yeah, F, yeah, that's yeah. F class. That's that's such a huge F class theory. That's terrible. Wow, wow, dude. You know, you know, came up with that oh. theory. You know, came up with that theory. Our friend Becky, man. I cannot believe oh, that you. Why would, would you I cannot believe Can't, you bro, would say such a thing. Becky was tired. She had been at a math conference all day. I cannot believe that you would say such a mean thing. About Becky? something that our friend Becky came Becky, up with. You are you are evil. You're evil. I'm sorry, <laughs> Becky. I didn't know this theory came from you. Even if I didn't believe it, if I had our heard it from Becky you, such a delightful I would have been a, so I kind. Much I more gently said it. 
That's 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 vile. I cannot You're wrong believe that. that you You're would that, say Jordan. something like Jordan. that about a theory that was brought to me by our good friend Becky. That's, that's Becky. That's I'm sorry. So I you know one of our biggest, most normal, like someone who lets us know she's listening to all of these. Uh, she's a little bit behind, so she's gonna catch up and hear about this one day. But you know, Becky, I'm really sorry that Abraham would say that I about you. That was very rude. That. That's that's vile. <laughs> I, you're going to hell for that. <laughs> Man, you got Man. one more, or you you or you uh, uh you just need to move on from this because I'm, of, I think of what you just did. Because of what you just forward. did. No, no, you did it. You did it. <laughs> what you just did. I can't believe that, man. I can't believe. Man, it. I can't believe you want to hurt Becky's feelings like that. That's that's. What do you think of that theory, Jordan? I thought it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, you know, I think I said to Becky, I said, you know, I think Pluton is a ship, so I think it's hard to get behind. I said, but I'll bring it up to Abraham, see yeah. what he thinks, you know, because he'll probably, uh -huh. you know, react normally and be like, that's interesting to think about, you know, that's that's how mm -hmm. I think Abraham. That's what I think Abraham will likely say, and uh, <laughs> he just completely, completely, uh, you know, really terrible of him. All right, we apologize. Wow. Oh man, time to get into the. Like culture, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. What you wanna you wanna talk Please. about the uh, NBA's All Star game? Yeah, man. Well, you're a big NBA head, you know. It's it's getting a lot yeah. of flack because of people saying that it's uh that the NBA All Star game is whack, man. You know, they don't contest. What what do you think, man? What do you think? Yeah. So for me, I don't even watch any of the All Star weekend events other than the three point contest. Because that's the only one that's interesting at this point. Like I, the dunk contest has been dead for years. This, you know, twenty sixteen was pretty good, but other than that, it's just it's been dead. Was that Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine twenty sixteen? Yeah, that was that was the year. Dang, Aaron bro. Gordon got I'm getting old, man. I can't believe that was that long ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. The dunk contest has been dead. The All Star game itself has been dead. The rising rising stars game is fine. You know the steals, but. Honestly, at the end of the day, just it comes down to at least for the all. There's there's a number of divisions. Here's here's what I'll say: the All Star game comes down to the players not actually caring about the game, which is fine. Like it's an exhibition game. I get why they, you know, you're not trying to like go that hard, and it, it's uh and but I think the idea of the All Star game and what it used to be is something that a lot of people used to look forward to, right? Like, you have all the best players on the same right. court competing against one another, and the idea of it is really, really fun. But when it's just, you know, a bunch of uncontested dunks, a bunch of open threes, like, right. there's no point watching it, which is why I don't watch the game. I think it's it's hard remember, it's, it's hard to remember, or it's easy to forget, really what it was like too when you're a kid right like i remember watching the baseball all-star game and like yeah there's something special too there because back then the teams didn't even play each other all year except for like a week or something of interleague play but it was it, that moment you're talking about where it's all the best players being on the same field court whatever was like so cool and special. Like I really loved that and looked up and looked forward to that when I was a kid. And we talk about how a lot of these sports are not attracting ratings with, with younger people. Part of that's because they're on their phones all the darn time, looking at TikTok. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a grandpa. But, but 
like I, I'm sad that that kind of experience when you see all these players in the same court is lost on on kids like that. Yeah, and one thing that I feel like people don't appreciate enough is that these sports are also entertainment, right? Like, yes, the All-Star Game is a meaningless exhibition match. It doesn't count towards the standings. It doesn't count for anything. But people, if you expect people to, like, you know, come out to All-Star Weekend and pay money and, you know, in these TV these TV uh, 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 deals that the NBA signs, you know, I think part of it is your responsibility to pr- put on an entertaining product. And I don't think it's all that asking all that much to make the game to like play a competitive, have the game be competitive. It's just one game. It's not like the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, I 100% get right. why players are not trying because you can actually get really, really injured playing football. Right. Oh, Whereas basketball, good. yeah, basketball, you can get hurt and injured, right? But a lot of times those are freak accidents, right? Like Paul George messing up his leg the way he did a couple right, of years ago. Right. That 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 can that can that can happen to anyone, but it's it's not uh, an expected outcome from just playing basketball. So it's funny that you bring up the MLB and it's all sorry because I actually do think one of the solutions that you know you could have if if your goal is to make the all-star game more competitive would be to have home court advantage in the finals be determined right. by the winner of the all-star game, which is I know what the MLB does do. Do they still do that? I thought they did away with that, no? Did they? Uh, I don't watch baseball much, so I, I knew that's what they had done. Maybe they've, they've done away with it. And, you know, part of the pushback against that is that right now, home court advantage is determined by the regular season standings, and so you kind of marginalize the regular season if home court advantage in the finals is just determined by the all-star game. I kind of disagree with that take. Uh, I'm just, I'm putting it out there just, you know, so, you know, people are aware of what the pushback is, but one, in the NBA, the Western Conference teams are a lot better than the Eastern Conference teams. And you don't play, like, in, your interconference schedule is not as balanced. It's kind of like you were saying about the, right. um, uh, in, in baseball, where, the, the the these teams in different conferences don't play each other as much. So the Western Conference teams tend to have a much tougher schedule. So you have a team that wins 60 games in the East and maybe the number one seed in the West wins like 55 games. That doesn't necessarily mean that the team in the East was better, right? And regular season standings would still be relevant in each respective conference itself. So I think it is a realistic solution if the NBA is intent on having their all-star game being competitive. Yeah, but it's really a question because even baseball seems like it's lost a lot of juice in the last few years, and part of that's just yeah. the fact that people, that you do see the teams play all the time. Yeah. But baseball is the one where it's like, that. Like you really should be able to pitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yes, yes, people are worried about their arms, whatever, but like you really should be able to pitch an inning. You really should be able to play yeah. hard in baseball. And if even, they're not even, you know, if that's even losing juice, then it's it's hard to imagine the NBA, you know, yeah. NFL managing to bring it back. But the dunk contest too, man. I, I wish the dunk contest was better it's, because when when the dunk contest is good, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Even when I was a kid, the Nate Robinson. There's one where he lost to someone, then he came back and won. No, I think he lost to Dwight Howard, and then he came back and beat Dwight Howard. Yeah. And yes, the Dwight Howard dunk was kind of corny, and he just like 
threw the ball in and he was dressed like Superman, whatever. But it was cool having that rivalry in the dunk contest yeah. for a couple years. Obviously, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, the dude put in the ball yeah. underneath his legs yeah, was absolutely crazy. And he should have won that dunk contest. The format was dumb. Zach Levine just kept doing the different things from the free throw line. Yeah, but it's a shame that's lots of juice to me because when when that yeah. when that contest is good, it's the best part of All Star Weekend to me. Yeah, my my solution to the dumb contest is honestly not to even have NBA players doing it, or have one NBA right. player doing it against professional dunkers because right, the best right. dunkers in the world don't actually play in the NBA. There right, are these right. guys on Instagram and stuff like that who all they do is dunk the ball. You bring right. out like three or four of these guys, and I think you would have a really entertaining dunk contest. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because those guys, I've seen some of those guys and they have like crazy creativity, crazy verticals, like things like that. Some of them aren't even that tall, like freaking air up there, 720 guys, definitely under six feet tall, right? He's not an NBA player, but he did a 720 dunk. And that's the kind of thing that would actually bring down the house, especially if we're not, right? It'd be one thing if like the names in the dunk contest were like LeBron James, like Russell Westbrook, like I don't know, whoever the most athletic dudes in the NBA are right because like i i I might think it was cool if lebron just went and did a freaking like hammer like he does in game like just the power behind it and lebron doing it like would be exciting enough relative to just some normal dude you know some some dude who's the sixth man or seventh man on a bench doing a pretty good dunk that's a little better than lebron's but if we're going to be at those dudes anyway, like you might as well just go to people who are actually dunking all the time. So I think it would bring down the house. Yeah, for sure. Like Mac, Mac McClung is a great dunker, right? But to your point, he's not even an, like a real, he's in the G League. Nobody knows right. who Mac McClung is other than him having won the last two dunk contests, right? Right. So I, and like I the don't surprise even... factor's gone now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you had the surprise exactly. factor as a little white boy for a year. Yeah. And now it's just, now it's not even a surprise. It's like, man, whatever. Yeah, so I don't even think the name recognition is all that important because clearly, um, yeah, you you got you got guys like Mac uh, participating and getting people hyped. So, yeah, the uh, I will say, did you watch the Sabrina Ionescu uh, and Steph three point uh, contest? I that did, really but I heard about it. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I mean, she shot. I'll say she shot the lights out of the ball. She's unbelievable shooter you know like that's that's why they put her in there against Steph right the one problem that I had with the contest though was that so the WNBA three-point line and the WNBA balls are different from the NBA three-point lines and the NBA balls right and so in the contest what they had her do is they were like you guys are going to be shooting from the same three-point line right because they're in the contest together but Sabrina was using a WNBA ball and Steph was using an NBA ball. And the NBA balls are large. I thought personally that she should have been shooting and they should have been shooting with the same balls. Either Steph should have been shooting with a WNBA ball or she should have been shooting with an NBA ball. Um, because, no, I mean, you got to have them shooting with the ball that they're used to shooting with. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Steph yeah. had a lighter ball, like, he would be jacking them off the, the, the backboard. Like, she, you know what I'm saying? She would be... It would be, Some like, games. further and heavier, like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to shoot with the ball you're used to. I mean, that's fair. I personally... Again, I'm not a pro by any... I'm just, you know, a bum. But, like, I've, I've you know, picked up and shot with, like, a woman's ball before. 
And it is, I mean, I didn't have that much trouble adjusting to it personally. And obviously with a smaller ball, it is more likely. You are more likely to score because just basic right. physics. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I get your point where it's like if she's shooting a heavier ball, all of a sudden she might be miscalibrated. I kind of felt like it would have been nice because if she had the one thing I would have hated to see if she had beaten Steph, the excuse I feel like would have been she's shooting with a WNBA ball, not an NBA ball. Right, but people, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The people who say that are going to say the same kind of thing anyway. You know, it's the same people that would say something to like, you know, Jenny's like supposed to like wait a whole this whole time for Kuma to come back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it's it's <laughs> like people who think who think uh, the kindest kindest king in the world might be evil. Just because just because his just because his name is Cobra doesn't make him a snake. You know. Hey, Kuma was the kindest king in the world, but. Hey, it's still a monarch, so you know. But uh, oh. you know, yeah. It's, but to me, like, I think the people who are gonna say that same kind of thing are gonna say that same kind of thing anyway. You know, like it, it wouldn't have mattered even if she would have beat him with an NBA ball. They still would have yeah. been like, oh, you know, you can't do this, this, and that that men can do. And so it's the kind of thing where, where to me, like, you know, that's just like a haters gonna hate kind of thing. You just gotta let them shoot with their own ball. It's a fun thing, and it's one of the ways that we can demonstrate like yes in women's sports like things like strength and power are are lower than in men's sports because you're selecting from people who are like over a certain level of of those things but understanding that you're able to have people who have the same amount of skill and technique and like you know yeah just like technical ability as people in the men's game and that's the kind of thing that being able that that's what you're being able to celebrate through that that kind of contest yeah yeah, it was a great it was a great three point contest. I loved it. I mean, yeah, she was up against the best shooter ever. So you know, there's yeah. no shame in losing. No, no, yeah, right. that's all good. You know, we got we got one more story today. You see this? The um, we're still in the basketball world for this. There's a uh, little coach, best high school basketball coach's son in Edgecombe has been stealing the spotlight on the the sidelines down in North Carolina. It's a four-year-old son who's been earned the nickname Lil Coach Best because he's on the sidelines during his dad's basketball games, copying his dad's stances and even doing interviews where he sounds just like – he looks and sounds just like a real coach. This dude is four, and he's got his arms crossed over. Yeah. He's walking around pointing his finger yeah. as yeah, if yeah, he's yeah. coaching. It's the cutest <laughs> thing I ever saw, man. What did you think? It was, it was adorable. And – it really tells you how much kids, even when you don't think they're paying attention, they're paying attention. They're, they're, and they're, they're going to soak it in like a sponge. You know? I actually have a kind of a pretty funny story about that in my own life with one uh, of my yeah? cousins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I was babysitting three of my cousins a couple of years ago. This is, must have been like five years ago. This is before mm. I came to, to St. Louis. Um, and it was the middle of the day. Like, oh, do you guys want to do something? Do you want to watch a movie? They're like, sure. And the internet, the internet was down, but I had some movies downloaded onto my hard drive. But most of them weren't really appropriate for kids. Nope. So I was like, oh, but I had Rush Hour on. I was like, Rush Hour is pretty, pretty funny. Um, I love Rush Hour. So I put Rush Hour on and we're watching it and whatnot. Later on in the afternoon, I go and take them out to the park and I'm like, okay, it's time to go home, guys. Let's go home. And my 
the oldest of the three cousins. He's his name is Jonathan. He was like seven at the time. He screams out to his sister and he goes, Hannah, come back here. And then quietly whispers the N-word. He's like, nigger? I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Wait, what? And he said it quietly and quickly. So I didn't know if I was just hearing things or. Wait, isn't or that with a hard R too? Whoa. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. And I was just like, what would you say, Jonathan? Wait, can you say that again? He was just like, I told Hannah to come back here. I was like, no, no, say what you said. What do you say? <laughs> and then she said, said, Hannah, come back here. And then he said it again. And I was oh like, my God. what? And I had taken them, I had taken them out with uh like someone else who was my age. And he's like, my 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 uh this guy Sammy, he's like, Jonathan, who who taught you that word? Where did you learn right, this word? Right. <laughs> and he gets all sheepish, and he knows he like he knows he said something bad. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he goes like, nobody. Like, no, no. Where did you learn this word from? He's like, uh, rush hour. Oh no! <laughs> and I was like, what? What do they say this in rush hour? And I don't know if you remember, there's a scene where Jackie Chan is in a bar and he, like, you know, Chris Tucker goes in to, like, meet up with his boys and he goes, like, you know, what's up, my nigga? And goes in. Sure, yeah, so yeah. Jackie thinks at the, in, in the scene that, you know, he doesn't know this word, so he starts speaking like Chris Tucker does. He goes, what's up? <laughs> and, he's, and all of a sudden, a big bar fight breaks out, right? Because right. Uh, yeah, of Jackie yeah. using the N-word. Right. I'm not really paying it that much attention to the movie. I've seen it before. But somehow right, this was right, the right. one scene. The one thing he took out. This guy, like you said, he changed the word too. He, he put the R-E-R at the end. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't expect him to internalize this and then say it. I was like, bro, don't say that in front of your parents. Don't say this word. <laughs> that's bro. That's so funny, man. You got you got people out here like little Coach Best learning good positive lessons, dressing up in a polo, wearing khakis, and learning how to walk the sidelines like a professional, giving good interviews. You got people learning these good. We got you got these young black men, these young black boys yeah. learning these beautiful, uh, beautiful lessons, and you just out here trying to trying to trying to rap people's minds by showing them rush hour when they're little kids, man. <laughs> This That's man crazy. over here I trying could... to trying to raise some deviance in our society. I couldn't believe, but it, it, I mean, it's to that point, right? Like kids, just you, you, you really don't think they're paying attention, and they, 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 they just soak things up. I don't know. They do. It man. was. It was. It was. It was pretty. It was funny. I I still laugh about this story now, obviously, and I I brought it up. He's he's thirteen now. So I brought it up to him last time I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, and you said, thank you for not snitching because if yeah. you did, I was gonna get in some uh, some oh, big man. trouble with my parents. So, so thank you so much. That's a yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but that's uh that's it for the show, everyone. Appreciate you all. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. And everyone, a shout out to whoever our listener is from Belgium. We got like 13 listens in Belgium. I'm pretty sure that's about one an episode. So we got an actual fan and subscriber out there. 
I love Belgium. I don't know why everyone in Europe hates on it. But check us out on Twitter. I think we still haven't posted things yet. We might be posting things out on YouTube. Anywhere you get the podcast, like, comment, subscribe. We love you. Uh, we're up to 10 people who listen to every single episode now, at least. And we're getting more and more listens with each episode. So appreciate you, everyone. Yep. Take care. Love you guys.